felt the presence of God today? I know I have. If you have, say amen. 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 That's what it's all about. Grab your Bible and open it to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 13. And I'm going to give you forewarning this morning. I would encourage you to uh, grab a pencil and a pen. Rick, turn me down just a little bit. I've got just a little bit of a roar. One day, one day, that's right, yeah. Maybe we need to leave it turned up. I mean, uh, Jesus came first as the Lamb of God to be slain and to be killed for our benefit, but when He returns, He'll be a lion. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, the forewarning this morning, I would grab a, a pad of paper or pencil or a gum wrapper. Uh, rather than throwing your gum wrapper in between the seats, uh, take that gum wrapper and, and write uh, these verses down. I'm going to hit a bunch of them today, uh, and I'm probably not going to give you much time to find them, uh, to read them, uh, because I want, to, I want to go through a lot. And there's a reason for that, is because I want you to be able to understand what the Word of God says about what we're talking about today, and I want you to have something uh, to go back this week and, and look up. I mean, let the, my, my prayer is that this sermon will not just kind of you know, go in one ear and dribble out the other, but that it'll soak down deep into your soul, uh, and so again... A lot, of, a lot of verses today, but I encourage you to write them all down. Uh, before I start, though, uh, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, Sweetie saw on Facebook this morning, there was a post that said, the, the weatherman can tell everybody that a storm is coming, and everybody panics. The preacher can say that the, Jesus is coming, and nobody cares. That's about right, isn't it? Amen? So, uh, just a word for the wise there. All right, so Hebrews chapter... Do what? Because you're not selling bread and milk. Yeah, exactly. I'm not selling bread and milk. I'm selling milk and honey. Amen. <laughs> and the bread of life. That's exactly right. So, All right. Uh, I trust you got it there. Hebrews chapter 13. Look down around verse uh, 8. We're going to read verses 8 and verses 9, and then we'll pray this morning. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. I'm going to stop right there. I like that. It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Pray with me this morning. Fathers, we turn to your word today. Uh, we turn our whole hearts to it, our full mind, our spirit. God, that today we might sit at your table and feast of your word. We know that you are faithful. God, that you've been around a lot longer than we have. We just pray that today we as infinite human beings would recognize our place uh, in, your, in your kingdom God, that we would recognize how great and how powerful you are and how much we desperately need you. <clears throat> I pray this morning for your anointing upon this word, upon me as your messenger, that you would speak through me with the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that it might accomplish its purpose and hit its mark in all of our hearts. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 So I want to I preach this morning about yesterday, today, and forever. According to the scripture, we just got done uh, reading that Jesus has never changed. All of yesterday's, I mean, not only to the beginning of the earth, but in eternity past, God has never changed. He's the same. His, his, you know, we, we, can, we change a little. We change our opinions about stuff at times, and uh, sometimes we change our priorities as life goes on. Uh, but imagine God is exactly the same, and He's never changed any as He is today, and will be the same forever. And there are three things I want to talk about today, mainly three things about God, that if we become confident in them, now, and that's the key, not just hear about it and know about it, uh, and technically what the right answer is, 
But three things about God, if we become confident in these three things, it will make our life fear-proof. Fear has torment, the Bible says. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but yet we all battle with it at times and many times throughout our life. Fear robs from us, and, and so God is wanting to fear-proof our life to where we don't live in it and abide under its torment our entire life. So three things about God that if we're confident in these things, our life will be fear-proof. And that is yesterday's forgiveness, today's favor, and tomorrow's faithfulness. They all begin with an F if you didn't notice that. Maybe it'll help you remember. Yesterday's forgiveness, today's favor, and tomorrow's faithfulness. Satan will lie to you about all three of those things. When it comes to yesterday's forgiveness, the ability for God to forgive you for every sin you've committed in the past, Satan will lie to you about that and make you fear that maybe God is still kind of holding your sins of the past against you. And that causes fear. Satan will lie to you and make you think that today God doesn't favor you. He's just kind of left you to feel your way through life all on your own. That's a lie, but Satan, if he can convince you of it, will cause fear in your life. And then he'll lie about tomorrow, he'll lie about the future and say, I don't know that God is going to be there tomorrow like he is today. I don't know that you can, you better have some, you better have a backup plan just in case God doesn't come through. How many of you know that's not real faith? But we do that in and of ourselves. If I can have a big nest egg, if I can have, you know, a million dollars saved up in the bank, at least that way if God don't come through for me, I've got a nest egg. And God said, that's not true faith. Satan creates fear about whether or not God will be faithful to you tomorrow. Okay? So he lies about all three, but according to the scripture, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. There is grace for all three of these things about God. There is grace for the sins of your past. Amen? There is grace that God will give you today for every single thing that you're going through today and there is grace available for tomorrow and forever that God will always be faithful because He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So I want to talk about these three things briefly today. I want to talk first of all about our confidence in yesterday's forgiveness. Remember, we're trying to fear-proof our life. We need to have confidence in the forgiveness of our sins from the past. We need to learn from yesterday, but we don't need to live in it. Amen? There's a huge difference. We can learn from yesterday, but if we live in the failures of the past, then we are robbed of the joy of God's grace and forgiveness in our life. we got to let it go. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, let it go. we got to let the sins of the past go. Learn from, the, learn from yesterday, but don't live in it. Yesterday is where our sins live. Okay, If we have repented of our sins, then those sins can't follow us into today. You say, Dennis, you're not telling me something I don't know. I'm not so sure that you do. We do understand that. Satan wants to always bind us by what has happened in the past. Number one, either that God is still mad at us or that we have this fear that we're always looming that it might happen again, right? But, but God, what God wants us to understand is that sins lived yesterday, today, they can't follow us into today if we've repented of those sins. Amen? If I've come clean before God and said, God, I, I have sinned against you, and for that I'm very sorry, it's over. That sin can't follow me around anymore. Amen? We have to settle it in our minds that, that there be no question about the grace of God. It is good 
for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Hallelujah. What is grace? It's divine favor. Grace means that even though you and I deserve punishment, God gives us His love instead. That's grace. That's mercy. And it's good for our heart to be strengthened by it. Yesterday's over with. Amen? And all the sins that go with it. We have to settle it in our mind. There's no greater fear, I believe, than for a person to think that God is still holding yesterday's sins against them. This feeling that God is still mad at me. God is this angry person. God's always angry. God's always mad. And he's just, he's holding a grudge. And do you know why we have a tendency to attribute that to God? Because we do that ourselves. It's hard for us to let go when people wrong us. It's hard for us to just forgive and let it go as though it never happened. We might be able to muster up enough spirit to to say, okay, I forgive you, but it's hard for us to not think about it and let it go as though it didn't happen. We can't comprehend that kind of grace. But folks, I'm here to tell you, based on the Word of God, it is settled. God has forgiven. It is as though it has never happened. And we have got to settle that in our own minds. Don't live under the guilt and the shame of the sins you committed in your past. If you committed in your mind that God's forgiven you, there'll be no fear about it. 1 John 1 and 9 says this. If we confess our sins, meaning we admit to them and we repent of them, if we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess them, God is faithful and He's just to forgive us from those sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So for us to live under condemnation of the sins of the past, in a sense, is to call God a liar. God has said, when you confess them, it's over. It's done. Isaiah 1 and 18 says this. I love this. Come now and let us reason together. How many of you know that God is not unreasonable? I mean, God's not an unreasonable God. He he invites His people. Come and let us reason together. Reason about what? Let's reason about your sins. Let's reason about your past. Let's reason about your rebellion. God says, look, I could just wipe you off the face of the earth. I could destroy you because of your rebellion, but I would rather reason together with you, and if you'll repent, then I'll just forgive you and we'll call it good. Let us reason together, He says, though your sins are like scarlet... Red, deep red, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Though you have the stain of sin on your soul, though it's red. I mean, how easy is it for you to get blood, uh, a red, red dye or red blood out of a white t-shirt? It don't come out very easy, right? You can see the analogy he's using. Though your soul is stained by the sins, the red sins of, of your past, God said, look, that's all good. I'll just wipe those sins away and your soul will no longer reflect the stains, but you'll be white as snow. You'll be pure because God is faithful to forgive all of the sins of the past. Back, oh, a little over, two, around 250 years ago, there was a poet. His name was William Cooper. And this is around 1771. And uh, William Cooper struggled a lot with depression and despair and emotional distress off and on throughout his entire life. And there was a time where he really sunk into a real deep despair and a deep depression. And during that time, uh, there was even times that he had 
contemplated and, and attempted suicide, and each time it didn't, it didn't take. But that's how deep he was. But it was through that really dark time that he began to uh, reflect on, he, he stayed, he lived with a minister and his wife for a period of time who ministered to him and, and tried to reassure him. And he began to reflect on the saving power that is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And the more he reflected on that and the more he studied on that and meditated on that, the more he allowed that cleansing and that reassurance that all of the sins of the past have been eliminated, the more he lifted out of this despair and out of this depression. And as God began to heal him, this poet grabs his pen and a piece of paper and he begins to write these words. You've probably heard it. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. I think he wrote it in a lower key, but if you know the verse, sing it. Lose all guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. There it is up on the screen. And sinners, that's us, beneath the flood lose all their guilt. The second verse says this. I'll just say it. (laughs) The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. That fountain, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Speaking of the thief who hung on the cross next to Jesus, who had many sins in his past, deserved to die on the cross and deserved hell, right? Yet, Though he confessed his sins to God, to Christ, Jesus was faithful and just to forgive him of his sins and not say, well, you've got a little shady past, but Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. The sins were washed away, and and William said it the same way. I am no different. None of us are any different than that thief on the cross. may not have committed murder or burglary, but our sins are just as vile as his, yet all my sins are washed away. That next part of the first thing is with me. Wash all the sins away. Wash all my sins away. I love it. Redeeming love, as He wash all my sins away. Hallelujah. Folks, understanding the grace that God gives for the sins of our past is the only way for us to live and to march forward fear-free fear within our life. Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 24. I hope you're jotting these down. Some of you may say, well, I've got, this, I've got this figured out, but there may be somebody in this place that don't. You may be living under a constant uh, browbeating. You think it's coming from God, but it's, it's not. It's coming from the enemy. And hopefully this will help you. Lamentations 3, 22 through 24 says... The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new, how often? Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then he goes on to say, My soul says, The Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in Him. What am I hoping in? 
that his mercies are going to be there for me every single day, which means yesterday's sins are over with. Today, there's a whole new batch of grace. Amen? If I've committed that sin to him, it's over. And let me, let me just say this, that uh, you know, God is not a hypocrite. Uh, when, when God spoke to his disciples and to us through his word, he said, if somebody sins against you, forgive them. And the disciples, one of the disciples said, well, now how often, how many times am I supposed to forgive him? Seven times? And to him, that seemed like a lot. I mean, what do you want me to do, forgive him seven times? That's impossible. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 not seven times. And the disciples probably thought, good, because there's no way. He said, no, not, not seven times, 70 times seven times. Jesus is literally saying, I want you to forgive him over and over and over and over again. So God would be a hypocrite if he told us to do that and he would not do it himself. Is that true? God's not a hypocrite. If he expects us to forgive over and over and over again, then we have to be settled in our mind that God continues to forgive over and over and over. And there is not a, there is not a, uh, a line in the sand, so to speak. There, there's not, you don't, let me put it this way. When, when, when you're saved, God doesn't give you a bucket of grace and say, okay, use it wisely. Because as soon as this is out, as soon as you run out, this bucket, bucket is empty, you're done. I'm giving you a certain amount of grace, and that's it. Thank God that's not how it works. And man, I, my bucket would have went empty a long time ago, and I would be lost for all eternity. There, there, it's a fountain, man. It's a flowing fountain that never, ever runs dry. God's grace is sufficient. He's not a hypocrite. And by the way, he's much better, better at that than we are. We know we're supposed to forgive 70 times 7, and we struggle with that a bit. God doesn't struggle with it. Amen? And by the way, not only do we need to let our sins of the past go, but we need to let the sins of others, their past, go as well. And that's a whole other message, obviously. But it's important for us to understand that in order for us to have our sins of the past settled, we can't be holding a grudge against people who have sinned against us. Right? We know one thing. There is a requirement to being, saved, to being forgiven of our sins. What is that requirement? That we forgive other people when they sin against us. All right, so let's move on to God's... To, we, we have to be confident in today's favor. The fact that God has given His people favor. What does that mean? What does the word favor mean? It means to, 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 give, to show kindness and to show a bias or a partiality towards somebody. And I'll explain this in a minute. Which ultimately means to give someone special treatment. Right? If, if you go to a, uh, say you go to a daycare, and you walk, your, your child is there, and you walk in, and there's 37 kids in this daycare, okay, um, you don't just pick a kid and go home, right? I mean, of all of those kids, it's not that you hate the other kids, but of all of those kids, there's only one of them that you favor, Right? There's one that you show bias to, that you show partiality to. There's only one in that uh, daycare that is the prettiest. There's only one in that daycare that seems to do everything better than all of the other kids. There's only one in that group that you're going to buy things for and provide for because you're giving favor because it's your kid, right? And so God gives His kids, He gives those who are washed in the blood of Jesus, those who are saved, He gives us Every day, today and every day, His divine favor. Now, God doesn't love us any more than He loves the most wicked sinner. It's important for us to understand that. God loves every single person in our soul. He loves us the same. God loved Hitler the same as He loved Billy Graham. 
Again, that's hard for our pea brains to figure out. But in God's mind, He don't love us any different. But those who have received Him, those who are trusting Him, He gives us divine favor over the wicked. In our everyday life, God is involved. He's listening. He's watching. He's preparing. Amen? Four things. Let me get in. These all begin with a, a P. Two. Did the other ones begin with a P? No, they begin with an F. Okay. I don't, sometimes this just happens. I don't really mean to do this, but it just happens. Uh, Four things that God gives us every single day that shows His divine favor on our life, okay? Those are this. Provision, meaning He provides. Protection, power, and His presence. Provision, protection, power, and His presence. Now, I could spend, I could preach a whole message on all four of those. In fact, I probably should. I'm not going to today, but... I may revisit those in the future because every single one of those are important for us to grab a hold of. But in, in short, let's look at the, the favor that God gives. Now, remember, this is every day, okay? This is today, right now, today. God gives us His favor. First of all, the provision, meaning that God has given a promise that He will always continually provide for those who trust Him. Jesus, in His teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, said the Gentiles, and basically He's speaking about those who don't know God. Pagan, idol-worshiping, sinful, atheist people that don't give a hoot about God, they worry about whether or not they're going to have enough food. They worry about whether or not they're going to have clothes to put on their body and heat and warmth. They worry about whether or not they're going to have... They worry about all of the basic necessities of life. They're fearful as to whether or not they're going to have those things because who are they having to trust to get those things? Themselves. But God said, it's not so with you. It's not so with my children because you have my favor on you, which means you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or where you're going to... You don't have to worry about the basic essentials of life because he said, as long as you seek God's kingdom first, then all of those things will be added unto you. God has promised divine favor in that he will provide for his people. If you have ever had God provide for you in just an awesome, miraculous way, could you please raise your hand? Raise it high. I'm serious. Raise, look around. I mean, that's a testimony of ways that God comes through and provides times. I mean, how many testimonies have I heard of people who literally maybe had no money whatsoever? In fact, let me, talk, in fact, let me use an example. I talked to Terry Brown this week. He's a gentleman that owns the camp that we've gone to in, in years past. And he, it's a completely faith-based thing. I mean, he doesn't... He just trusts God every week. And he said, I kid you not, he's ran that camp for like 12 years. And he said, uh, there has been times where the electric bill was due in four days and I might be $300 short. Literally have absolutely no more funds to pay the bill. And inevitably, there'll be a check coming to mail. Something will happen to where the money is there. And he said, that's happened over and over for 12 years. Why? Because they are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is a servant of the utmost high. Amen? And so God gives him favor and promises to provide, and he always does. As soon as we have this feeling or this thought, as soon as the devil plants this idea in our mind, what if he doesn't provide? Fear comes in. Right? But... Our life is fear-proof if we are settled and we are confident that God will provide for me today. Amen? Second thing is protection. I love Psalm 91 and 1. It says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. If we abide under God's shelter, He said, I'm, 
your protection is sure. Psalm 46, 1 through 3 says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. Not a distant help, a very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. In other words, though all hell break loose, though the entire world fall apart, I'm not going to fear because God is my refuge. God is my protector. I am living every day in God's favor, which means He will protect me. I'm not saying that that means nothing bad's ever going to happen to us. You say, well, what about... We have to understand that everything falls within God's sovereignty. And we'll never understand that. Okay? So you can look at it like this. I can go forward and trust that God's going to protect me today. And I may get hit by a truck when church is over. And you say, well, apparently God didn't protect him. Not necessarily so. Who knows but what... You look, at, you look at someone like John the Baptist. John the Baptist, um, you know, everything turned out great for him. He got his head chopped off. You know? He got his head chopped off and someone said, well, God didn't protect him. He performed his purpose on the earth and then God ushered him into the presence of God. Do you understand that we were created, our whole purpose in living is for eternity, not this earth? So if I get hit by a truck, as soon as church is over, I, I am ushered into the presence of God for all eternity and that's protection. You get the point. I hope you can make the, you can see the difference. But there's other times where if, if I get hit by a truck, that's, it's my time's over. But if it's not my time to go, I can't, I can't die without God's permission. Amen? If it's not my time to go, if God still wants me to be here, I can get hit by a truck and it'll dent the truck, which probably would anyway if it hits me in the head. But the, the point being that, that God still miraculously provides protection for His people if we're putting our trust in Him. We have a, you may not know this, but God has His own secret service department. And every child of God who lives under the favor of God has got angelic secret service protection. David, I believe it was, says, The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear God. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear and trust God. We are given divine protection. Even the hosts of heaven there to protect us. The word says, There is no weapon formed against me that will prosper. No weapon. No tactic of the enemy. Whether it's manifested in physical form, spiritual form, whatever be the case, any weapon that Satan forms against me as a child of God, it will not prosper because I am living today and every day under God's divine favor. I'm His kid. Amen? He's my shield. He's my buckler. Third thing, power. God says every day, I'm going to give you power to do the right thing. Power to resist temptation. I like what Matt, I noticed on uh, downstairs, Matt had a whiteboard that he was teaching the, the teenagers Wednesday night and he still had a, a quote written up there. And it says, temptation is inevitable, but it's not irresistible. Temptation is inevitable, but it's not irresistible. What does that mean? It means you can't get away from temptation. It's going to happen. We're going to get tempted. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. You know it. But it's not irresistible. 
Just because we're tempted doesn't mean, I like, I like what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said, you can't, keep a, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair. Go ahead, putting it. Amen? If I allow the bird to sit there and build a nest, I mean, I can wave it on, and that's the way temptation works. It's inevitable. We can't keep it from coming. But God gives us the power every day, His favor, that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't take hold, doesn't destroy, that it doesn't have to become a vice to us. God says, every day I'll give you the power to overcome temptation. The devil, remember, the devil lies about all of this stuff. So Satan comes along, and maybe there's something that you're struggling with, a, a sin or temptation of some sort. And you feel like, I, I can't resist it. I can't overcome it. And Satan has convinced you that it's a bondage you'll wear to the grave. Uh-uh, not so. Not so. God says, I can deliver. Remember, confess your sins, and God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from, from all unrighteousness. God said, if you'll allow me, and allow my favor to take work, I will deliver you and strengthen you and change who you are and what you do. God gives us the power to conquer the darkness. God gives us power to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Power to lead other people to Jesus. To lead our friends, our family, our communities to Jesus. God has provided that power. We, we live in fear of the devil all of the time. We may not say that, but Satan comes and he torments in our minds. He torments within our homes. And can, can you understand this morning, if you don't hear anything else, that you'll hear this. That as a child of God who is covered with the blood of Jesus and is filled with God's Spirit, that you can stand in your home, you can stand in your life, and you can put your feet flat on the ground and square your shoulders and say to the powers of darkness, you have no power over me. We can, Jesus said, if you have a faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be thou removed. Amen? We're not at the mercies of darkness and sin and, and hell. We have power over that. We don't live many times in that power. A, because we maybe don't know we have it. And B, we don't believe we have it. Is that true? I, I know for me, now you, you guys have probably got this all figured out, and I, it's just me. But for me, there's times I've gone long periods of time just tormented by the enemy in some form or fashion. Only to be reminded of God, you have power over that. This is, a, this is a supernatural walk that you and I are in. Amen? It's a spiritual, supernatural walk. So Satan comes against you with his power, but you have more power through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? And, and his presence. God in his favor says, my presence will always go with you. How often did God say he would leave us? <laughs> never. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I like Abraham, if you remember the story back in, in Genesis, God looks, or Abraham looks up one day and he sees these, these three individuals coming and he recognizes them to be the angels of God. And he, as, as they come and they were going to pass on through, they were going to pass by, but Abraham, he catches them, he says this, he says, Oh Lord, if, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass your servant. If I found favor with you, don't pass on by. Stay here for a while. He said, oh, I'll build you tabernacles, I'll bring food, but, but just stay for a little bit. And you know what God did? He stayed. Hey, Moses, I believe it was, says, says, you know, they get to a certain point as God is leading them to the promised land and the people had become rebellious and God says, look, all right, I'm not going any further. You, you just go on, I'm paraphrasing this, but he says, you go on alone, 
Uh, I'll send an angel with you, but I just can't stand to bear with all of this rebellion anymore. And Moses pleads before God. He says, God, basically in a sense, God, if I found any favor in you at all, please, if, if, you're don't, if you don't go, I don't go. I mean, if you're not going to go, if your presence is not going to go with us, then I'm not taking another step. And God said, I'm going to go with you. My presence is going to go with you. Today, in God's favor, He abides with us every day. And you can hear Him. You can see Him and you can feel Him in your spirit if you'll only seek Him. Amen? He's there. His presence always abides because He has promised us in His Word that we will abide in His presence. It's in His presence is the fullness of joy. God favors favors us. He said, I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. God favors His Son. That's why He favors us. God doesn't give us favor because we're all that. Because we go to church and we carry our Bible and we say our little prayers and sing our little songs so God gives me favor. No, no, God, God favors His Son who was and is and always has been 100% completely obedient to His Father. And so when Christ is in us and we are in Christ, then and only then, God gives us favor. Amen? It's kind of one of those, you know, you've, uh, you, you've made the comment, well, um, any, any, any friend of Steve's is a friend of mine, right? And that's kind of the way God looks at it. Any friend of Jesus is a friend of God's, man. Reject Jesus, reject God. Befriend Jesus, befriend God. And His presence abides. God gives us favor in our families and in our homes if we'll receive it. Grab a hold of this. Psalm 91, 9 and 10 says this. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, meaning you've put all your trust in Him, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, nor plague come near your tent. You know what that tent refers to? Your home, your family. God said, I, any man who commits his life to me, I will give him favor. Any man who commits his home and his family to me, I will give him favor. So a lot of Christians have committed their Sunday mornings to God committed their church, and even committed their life to God, but have never got around to committing their home to God. Do you know that Jesus wants to come into your home just the same as He wants to come into this house? And God says, if you'll put your trust in me, then I will also give favor to your home, to your children, to your blessings. Do you remember the, the jailer that got saved when Paul and Silas were uh, in prison? You remember the story? They're singing praises at midnight, and the earthquake came, and the prison doors flew open, and uh, they just stayed there, kept praising God. But the, the jailer that was um, commanded, given the task to keep them there, when he saw that the prison doors were open and he, he assumed everybody, all the prisoners were gone, he knew he was going to be killed. So he, he just gets ready to run himself through. He's getting ready to kill himself. And, and Paul cries out to him and says, no, 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 don't, don't kill yourself. We're all still here. And he said, receive Jesus. He goes on, they go on to, to tell him about Christ. To, about Christ, and he says, if you uh, believe in Jesus, you shall be saved and your house. That's something. Not only will God save you, forgive you of your sins, and establish your life, but God will also save your house, your family, your children. Hallelujah. Only to those that are abiding under God's favor that are trusting Him every day. I wrote a little uh, tongue twister. Find free favor for faithful friends of God. Did you get that? I couldn't, think of an, I couldn't think of a name of God that started with F. Otherwise, they'd all had Fs. But hey, that's good. That's good. Find free favor for faithful friends of Father God. How about that? Amen? 
I like it. Very good. Um, if you didn't quite get that, uh, listen to it on iTunes later and slow it down or something. Some people, when they listen to me preach, have to do that anyway because I have a tendency to talk fast. That's a good thing about iTunes. You can play it and you can uh, send it back and I can talk like this and then you can get all of the words. Uh, all right, let me talk about the last thing very briefly. And that is the confidence that tomorrow God's going to be faithful. Sins of yesterday's past are over. Today God has given me favor and tomorrow I can be confident that God's going to be faithful again. Turn with, I do want you to turn here. Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 1. Isaiah 26, uh, 1 through 4. It says, In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. You might say, in, this, in, that, in that day this song will be sung in the house of Dennis or the Crossway Fellowship Church, wherever God's people are gathered. They'll sing something like this. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation and walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. That's the key, keeping the faith. Trusting that God will be faithful. You keep him. This is you, God. You keep him in perfect peace. Randy, very good. He was he was ahead of the game. In fact, there's another P there. Perfect peace, right? We'll just keep this thing going. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. What kind of rock? An everlasting rock. So those who have got their mind stayed, fixed upon God, meaning they've settled it in their minds. I know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, God will be faithful to me tomorrow, then God will keep me in perfect peace. Amen? Hallelujah. Ain't nobody that don't want peace. I've never met anybody that says, I'd really rather be miserable. I don't want peace. I want to be miserable. We all want peace. And the way to have perfect peace is to, be, is to know I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Do you know that was one of, the, that was one of the, the main things that God took offense at with the nation of Israel? You know, without going through the whole story, uh, as the Israelites get into the desert, as soon as they get a little hungry, now you've got to remember, God did a whole bunch of miraculous things to prove himself to these people, Right? Seas, you know, parting, waters parting and walking across on dry land, all that stuff. God has already proven himself to them uh, that he's faithful. Um, and so then they get out there and they get just a little hungry and things aren't going just exactly right. And they said to God this, they made this accusation against God. You have brought us and our children out here in the desert to kill us. And God kind of took offense at that. He said, look, I have nothing but, I have nothing but good towards you and your children and you don't, you don't think I'm able to provide? After all I've done in the past, you don't think I'm provi- able to provide for your children in the future? And, and so I look at that and I have to keep myself in check. When I watch the news, which I really need to stop doing probably, but when I, when, when I watch the news and, and, and I look forward and I see uh, stirrings and I kind of, I mean, you don't have to be a prophet to, to see some of the things that are coming, right? I mean, not the, so, but when I, when I look at the news and I see things, or if I read the scripture and the scripture talks about a, a day of, you know, immense tribulation in the world to come, and I can sit here and I can just wring my hands and bite my nails and be fearful of what is coming, and, and, and there's no reason for me to do that. You know why? Because, guys, I want you to, to commit your family, your tomorrow, your whole life into my hands and just live in peace, confident that I'll take care of tomorrow. 
And that's what Jesus said, by the way. He said in Matthew 6, 34, he said, Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What is he saying? Ultimately, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow tomorrow will take care of itself. You and I are confined to time. Means that we're living right now. I can't go back to yesterday. Okay? And I can't flash forward into tomorrow. Man has always wanted to do that. There's been many movies made about time travel. Right? We can't do it. We're confined to right now, this very moment. Can't go back even five minutes. Can't go forward even five minutes. I'm confined to right now. God is not so. God is timeless. God is eternal. What does that mean? He, he is yesterday, He is today, and He is forever. He's already in tomorrow. God is already in tomorrow working things out for our good. Amen? God just wants a people that will trust about that. It's kind of like, you know, like I said, we, we can learn from the past. We can learn from yesterday, but we don't want to live in it. Kind of the same way with the future. I mean, we can prepare for tomorrow, but we don't want to live in it. We don't want to constantly be thinking about the future and worrying about the future. Think about today. That's what Jesus said. You worry about today. Let me, I'm giving you favor today anyway. So your today is already covered. And then just leave tomorrow to me. Isn't that simple? Isn't that simple? Why do we find it so hard to do it? Why do we find it so hard to just... If, if we... I think this is possible. I'm not saying I've gotten there because I haven't. I think it's possible. Otherwise, I don't think that God would have placed in His Word all of these promises. I think it's possible for a human being to come to a place in their life where they literally have just turned loose and committed everything into God's hands in which there's no stress, there's no worry, there's no fear, because we know that whatever happens, God has got it under control. Can you imagine how awesome that would be? You imagine how, imagine living that way? I mean, literally having no worry whatsoever. He's a dentist. That's just impossible. We're human. It's just our nature. Yes, I, I, I know that. I get it. I still, I str- I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I'm, I struggle with it too. But Jesus is saying, oh, if I could, if I could just get my people to kind of get into that lane, right? If I could just get them to get into that mindset that they can't change anything by worrying. That's what Jesus said. You can't add any inches to your height or you can't add any seconds to your day by worrying worrying changes nothing god said i've got tomorrow covered so you just don't worry about it prepare for tomorrow but don't live in it don't be afraid you know we live you know in our own life and even in this church sometimes we we get to thinking about uh what's what's going on in this church and some of us maybe at times, we're, we're, we're always worried about what Satan is going to do to us. What's Satan going to do to our church? We know that, you know, God's got ministry for us, so we know that Satan ups his game. What's Satan going to do to us? And we, we need to be not so worried about what Satan is going to do to the church. We need to be worried about what God is going to do in the church. Same thing with me personally. I could worry about what's Satan going to do in my, in my life. How is he going to attack? God says, don't worry about what he's going to do to you. Just worry about what I'm going to do in you. Amen? Don't store up manna. Don't be content with stale bread. Have that fresh daily bread every day that God says, I want, my, through my presence, I'm going to be there. You know, if you look, look within Scripture, Daniel and you took a look at someone like Daniel, prophet of the Old Testament. Uh, if you look at someone like John, uh, we call him John the Revelator, that wrote Revelation within the New Testament. Both of those men... Uh, God showed them a picture of the future. 
And it was frightful. Read, read the book of Daniel, read the book of Revelation, and when you look at the future of this earth, they painted a pretty frightful picture as far as that's concerned. But they also showed that it's a very glorious future for those who trust in God's faithfulness. Right? They didn't write that down so that we would all bite our nails wondering what's going to happen. He wrote all that down to say, okay, yeah, look, things are going to get really bad, but hey, you win. You, I've got it covered. You're going to be in good shape because I'm going to be faithful to you. Amen? There was a little curly-headed girl a long, long, long time ago that got it right when she's saying this. The sun will come out tomorrow, right? She's talking about the sun. Bad things happen today, but, and it's gloomy, it's nasty, it's rainy, icy, but tomorrow the sun's going to come back out. It's going to warm things up. But the same is true of not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because I'm confident the sun, S-O-N, of God will come out tomorrow. He'll be there. He'll be there to protect me. He's already there. Don't worry about it. He's got it covered. Four things, well, one, two, three, four, five, six directions, I guess, that God comes at us in. Throughout Scripture, God says, first, I am your rear reward. You know what that means? God says, I've got your back. I'm behind you, always behind you, watching your back. Then the Word of God says that He goes before us, leading the way, making sure that we don't go astray and stumble. Scripture says that he is at my left hand and he is at my right hand. He's on both my sides watching to make sure that I go straight and not veer to the right or to the left. Every good thing comes down from the Father of lights. God says, I'm above you, right? And then God says, I'll be the rock underneath your feet for you to stand on. God has just englobed us as his children. He's, he's everywhere. His promises are yes and amen if we'll grab a hold of them. Amen. We stand on our feet this morning and take just a moment. Search your own heart. These, uh, the invitation for salvation obviously is always open. God's moving on your heart today to be saved, dealing with your heart. Maybe you've been thinking about it for a while, but you've just kind of been putting it off or you've just kind of been resisting it. And you're like, no, I think today I'm going to settle it. I'm, I'm a little worried about that because the bottom line is if you're not saved, if you've not repented of your sins and trusted Jesus, then you kind of do have to worry about yesterday's sins. Okay? Those are, they're still on you, so to speak. Let's, let's just give all that to Jesus today. Can we do that? Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. This is being reverent. Can we give all of yesterday's sins to Jesus?